We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everyone, before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle's the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll see personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and e-learning courses full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part, it's only $15, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle's an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance in the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. And Jack, another Nets win. Eight straight tonight over the Orlando Magic at Barclays Center. 129-92. Beat down. How are we feeling, Jack? Clack City, bitch. Clack, clack city, bitch. <laughs> we got a rapper on the Brooklyn Buzz. You know, he's filling in for Jack Manuel today. And Nick Claxon put on a show. A lot of excitement on Nets Twitter. We'll get into that and plenty more. Obviously, you can always find the buzz on all streaming platforms, including otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. But, Jack, where do we start with this one? The slow start? Slow start, Nick. You know, 28 to 24, they were outscored in the first quarter, but they bounced back with a 41 to 19 second quarter. What was going wrong in that first quarter, and what caused the bounce back? 
Yeah, I think they just came out dry, you know, just didn't have the energy. It's going to happen sometimes in the season, especially after a West Coast trip. I think Landry Shamit said after the game, it was just like one of those games. Like you come out and you just don't have the energy. You know, stars weren't really hitting their shots. There was honestly a lot of air balls from like both teams. So it just was like a really weird vibe to start the game. It almost felt like a preseason game, to be honest. And then next thing you knew, some of the second unit players came in. And I thought they brought really good energy. Guys like Tyler Johnson, guys like Nick Claxton, even TLC, some of those extra hustle plays. And I feel like that created some energy around the team and everyone started to pick up their effort. And by the time the second quarter started, like you said, they just went on a monster run. Yeah, I saw Kyrie make some comments about the second unit, sort of calling them having confidence and swagger about them. It, it seems to me that... You know, we spoke about the depth of the rotation being a, a weakness ever since the, the loss of Jared Allen, Carol Severt, and, and Torian Prince. But you know, the Nets have found guys again, and, you know, Claxton's playing well. Uh, Landry Shamit's running into some form. TLC, TLC is TLC. Tyler Johnson, obviously. Jack Harlow himself, uh, the fellow Jack rapper uh, of, on the podcast. Uh, but it, it, you just love the glimpses that we're seeing, Nick. You know, I'm, I'm still not 100, 110% sure whether those guys can be contributing against the Sixers or the Bucks or the Lakers or the Clippers or whatever. But if they keep doing what they're doing, then you know, I'm going to have confidence in them and faith in them as much as Kyrie does. Yeah, and I think you're working in the regular season to get to that point. And all of them might not get there, but long as some of them can, and they can prove you something, or even if it's in a specific series, you know what I mean? Like, hey, I can use you know Landry Shamit maybe in this matchup, and I can't use him in the next one. Or like, there's going to be more minutes for Nick Claxton. It makes me think back when the Raptors won the finals. We saw Norman Powell have a monster series. And then in the next series, he almost was a non-factor. That's just kind of how the postseason can work. And Jack, I got a stat for you. After the first quarter, the Nets outscored the Magic 105 to 64. That, that doesn't even seem like a real number. That's, um, I mean, there's a lot of stats right now surrounding the Brooklyn Nets, Nick, that don't seem like real numbers. It's, 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 it's offensive fantasy. Uh, some yeah. of it, 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 it literally makes no sense. It I got another stat for you, offensive fantasy. Do it. So Do the it. Nets have had 10 40-point quarters this season. They only had nine all of last season. And uh, there was also another stat about the fact that they've had 20, 120 point games. Was it something like that? And the most in franchise history. And it's been half the season. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just remarkable. And we know what James Harden is doing. I think they said he was the first net over a 20 game span to average 20 points and 10 assists. So it's just like we talked about it when the trade happened. We've been talking over the last couple of weeks. Records are going to be broken all season long. Richard Jefferson talked about it on the broadcast, not this time, but a previous game. They're just going to be demolished because the offense is cooking. The pace in the NBA is up. And obviously they have a godly amount of talent. And this is happening without Kevin freaking Durant. Like, yeah. bro, you're going to add in one of the easiest, most seamless players that can just fit in everything and just turn it up to 11. Like, it's going to... I can't imagine this team playing better, but they've got their best player out on the sidelines. And Jeff Green's pretty goddamn handy yeah. as well. Um, So it's... It's staggering, Nick. It's truly staggering. And again, it's the Orlando Magic. They've had their issues this season. You know, I'm a big fan of Nikola Vucevic. I think he's a, a deserved all-star. I thought DJ did some some nice Probably work for him. So I thought much. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but in saying that, I just thought the schemes were good for him. The, yep. the coaching has been good. Steve Nash has, has good game plans, it seems. You know, it, it's tailored to the opponent rather than sort of going, okay, these are our schemes. These are our principles. We're just sticking to that. Yeah, I felt like in this game, he made an adjustment. Like in the second quarter, they started to send more of that double team, more of that attention. And like you said, switching on everything. And then when they'd get the bad switch, they just send a double team. And no disrespect to Orlando, it's just like 
they have a lot of terrible three-point shooters. They shot 25% from three tonight, nine to 36. And that's not like a, an outlier or anything. They just don't have many talented sharp shooters. You have Evan Fournier, you have Vucevic, you have Terrence Ross. After that, you know, there's not many guys that are, I would call, good to average three-point shooters on this team. No, and the Nets have uh, just a couple. I'm sure that the Magic would like to borrow one or two of them. They actually the had middle. Joe Harris at one point. They didn't keep him, so that's on them. That's on them, absolutely. But what their loss is, Al, what, what's the saying again? Another person's loss is another person's treasure. Another person's trash is another person's treasure. There we go. And Joe Harris is a goddamn treasure. Yeah, he is. And obviously, like you said, the elite shooting from the Nets wasn't there to start the game, but they still finished... 53% from the field, 44% from three. It's just kind of remarkable because I believe to start the game, it was like seven to 21 from the field, two of nine from three. And just to see that bounce back. And it's just nice to see those bench unit players come in and provide energy. And then that kind of sparked the starters when they come back in the game, because I thought the first stint from the starters was like a mixed bag. There were some good plays and bad plays, some sloppiness. But in that second quarter, they really picked it up and they were part of that run. And part of that run too, is like you mentioned, Jack, the adjustments from Steve Nash, attacking Vucevic and forcing some turnovers, getting easy transition buckets. Who do you think out of the bench unit, Nick, was the the real standout? I know who you're going to say. I mean, if you don't say Nicholas Claxton, I think next, next Twitter might erupt, but I think you might have some other ideas. No, actually, it is Nick Claxton. It is Nick Claxton. Um, I think, you know, Tyler Johnson, though, did provide a lot of spark of energy, but Claxton's actual play in the court just gave you some just like hype going down the down the line. You know what I mean? Like there was some potential there with the defensive plays. There was like a three-minute stretch where he forced two steals and had a block. Like when's the last Nets player to do that other than maybe Bruce Brown or David Nwaba over the course of the last couple of seasons? So his impact with his length, athleticism, and quickness, and he looked a lot more comfortable in this game than he did in the previous one. He had four steals and two blocks, Nick. Four <laughs> steals and two blocks. You know, It felt like it. Yeah, the old stock stats are, are, are ones that really the, – the, the few defensive stats that we do have, to, to have a six combined is, is incredible. He had 10 points as well, three boards, uh, had a dime, creating shots for himself. He is yeah. uh, he has such incredible, immense upside. It, it, I mean, he's a goddamn good-looking dude as well. I love Kyrie's love for him as well. The young alchemist, think. He's the young alchemist. Offensively, like you said, Jack, his ability to create for himself, like, you know, attack Mobamba, obviously not necessarily a great NBA player at this point but in his career. He's a defender. That's like he's got length, he's got yeah. athleticism. Like, Mobamba should be a better player than Nicholas Claxton. He was touted higher. He had a yep. better three point shot, a greater athlete. But Nicholas Claxton's like, you know what? I'm in my like fifth game of NBA basketball. I'm going to go out here and just like look like a goddamn star. And honestly, it looked so natural. It looked like a guard move, Jack. It was pretty much like, let me hit you with a ball fake. Oh, okay, I got you off balance. I'm going to get the dribble down. Got to step on you. Leverage on my shoulder. Finish with the left hand. Create the contact. Good to go. And then there's other plays offensively where he caught a pass. And he kind of caught it in between. It wasn't necessarily like a clean area. And he was able to kind of court... Uh, kind of like almost show, showcase his flexibility and contort his body to get the layup in. And it's just like no other big on the roster is doing that. Obviously there isn't many or even in Jeff Green or even like Bruce Brown or whatever you're playing there. His athleticism and his feel, it's just like very guard-like for somebody his size. Are you going to be chipping in to pay the tech fine, Nick? I'm, 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 we saw him hang on the rim. I think James Harden and Kyrie got it covered. I think they got it covered. At least that's what, that's what uh, Nicholas Claxton was saying. And I mean, he himself was saying, 
some really interesting comments post game talking about the fact that he hasn't even reached half of his bag yet. And I'm just like, dude, come on, man. And he's saying that after the shoulder injury, he's reworked the mechanics of his three point shot. And you guys are going to have to watch for that. And I'm just like, my dude, if you're going to be hitting threes now with this defense, I'm just like, you are literally the perfect modern center. The ability to switch out onto guys. You know, uh, it's, uh, man, I'm excited by this kid, man. I'm so damn excited by Clax. He looks really comfortable with the ball, too. And we've talked about that when he was drafted, when we had Dalton Pence on. Like, having to run the show in his last season in college gave him such a nice asset going to the NBA and feeling comfortable with the ball. And there was also a nice Euro step in transition. Like, he just has a lot of guard qualities for somebody his size. And, like, we talked about the steals and the blocks defensively, but it's just such a natural feel to switch for him. You know what I mean? It's very just like in the flow of the game. And he looks very comfortable out on the perimeter. He One of the blocks he had was on Terrence Ross. You know, and Terrence Ross, it's funny, is like he learned in the game. And this is what I like to see. He caught him on two pull-up threes where he probably didn't close out hard enough on the switch. Third time he did it, closed out hard enough, played good defense, got the block. And look, that's that shows maturity, composure, and, and experience. Look, Claxton's going to get better with reps. This was only in 15 minutes tonight as well. And that's why these blowouts allow guys like Claxton to get out there. But he's playing out there with, like, you know, James Harden. He's playing out there with the big dogs. And, you know, in it, it feels like just yesterday where Spencer did what he was calling him the second most talented Brooklyn net behind Kevin Durant. I don't know if he's second anymore, but, man, he's got some talent. He really does have some potential that can be unlocked with this team, and it's going to be exciting to watch. It's just like you said, and the Nets haven't fully unlocked him yet. He obviously said he hasn't unlocked his three-point shot yet, still working on that. But, like, you've only seen a couple connections with James Harden. Soon as they develop that chemistry and cohesion, I think that's just going to be such a tool for the second unit. Nick, I'm going to throw a hot question at you, and it's going to be a bit spicy. I'm sure it's cool all over the United States right now. Maybe this will warm some people up. Can Nicholas Claxton play meaningful minutes in the playoffs, and can he usurp DeAndre Jordan in the rotation? Oof, that's tough. I'm not sure if he can, you know, surpass DeAndre, but I definitely have confidence if he maintains this level of play and he continues to be healthy the rest of the season. There's no reason for him not to see postseason minutes. Like he just has a skill set that the Nets are going to need against some of these bigger teams. And if he's hitting the three point shot, there's really not many reasons not to play him. You know what I mean? Like he's going to make some young player mistakes, but he makes up a lot of it because of his athleticism and that, you know, recovery speed just cleans up a lot of mistakes. So I'm confident that he's going to end up playing postseason minutes. And I even think Steve Nash, like based off of his, his comments tonight compared to what we heard in the past, it seems like he was a, maybe a little surprised by the play of Claxton. Look, we lose Jared Allen, you know, a player that would fit absolutely perfectly with what we need right now. And we got this guy, Nicholas Claxton, another young up and rising star in the reserves who has as much talent and un un untapped potential. What, Look, shout out to Jared Allen. What he's doing in Cleveland right now. He's their best player. In the, in Running the freaking transition, doing the fast break, throwing down dunks, blocking shots left and right. Dude, is Giannis, bro. He's turning into, he, Cleveland turned him into Giannis under the compo. But in saying that, Nicholas Claxton, there is something special there. And I really hope that that when Jeff Green and Kevin Durant do come back, 
that Claxton still has a, 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 a... It was just days ago, weeks ago, we were talking about, look, do, these, do the Nets have enough guys in the rotation? Whereas now it's like, man, TLC, is he going to get minutes? Tyler Johnson, is he going to get minutes? Landry Shaman, is he going to get minutes? Nicholas Claxton, is he going to get minutes? Some of these, and I think that it is this season right now, the Nets are going to be peaking at the right point. You know, love what the Utah Jazz are doing. The Lakers, obviously, once they get Schroeder and AD back, Clippers are, you know, they're, they're, they're steady as well. But the Nets are in an enviable position to be 10 games above 500 without their best superstar, without their best role player in Jeff Green. There's it's plenty of good things happening in Brooklyn land right now. Yeah, it really is. And I think another nice thing with the Claxton effect is now there's maybe an opportunity down the line to rest DeAndre Jordan. You know what I mean? You have actually another center on the roster. Obviously, we hope to add another one. We saw Tyler Cook a little bit tonight, who's kind of like a forward slash center based on the way they were playing him. But I'm really intrigued. I think it's kind of like funny in a season that's full of, you know, superstardom. And we have all these big acquisitions in terms of James Harden, now Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant all suiting up and everything is like still one of my my favorite storylines is going to be Nick Claxton and his development this season and how far that can push the Nets and then also how far it could push them in the future. Yeah, and, and it's he is a game changer. He's a ceiling changer, as I've as I've mentioned before. And you know, we saw that tonight in his second game. You know, it, it, we didn't necessarily expect. It. I think it's a good opponent. You know, the the Magic. You know, haven't have been struggling a little bit. I think Mo Bamba, as I alluded to, you know, should be doing the sort of things yeah. that Nicholas Claxton should be doing in a lot of respects. But he can change the game defensively and that's where the Nets need game changes and while DeAndre Jordan I think it's I think you almost have your Jared Allen light but in saying that you know we we were confident and growing in confidence about Jared Allen's ability to switch onto the perimeter DJ's doing that a lot better too Nicholas Claxton is the most he plays like a wing he can almost maybe one to five but man it's pretty close he's just got such good lateral quickness such great feet and such great feel and recovery speed is just it's something else and he's only going to get quicker and better with game reps yeah and it seems like he's a sponge just based off the way Kyrie talked about him and some of the other guys that he's just trying to absorb as much information as possible from the stars to be the best version of himself and like you said Jack this is a guy that really can have a defensive impact like the Nets are never going to be a great defensive team with this roster, but you can sometimes have these players that can come in and make a few flash plays that can change the momentum of a game. You know, if this is a postseason game, come in and get two steals and a block, that's maybe a 6-0, run, and that's the difference in the game. Yeah, you need the Bruce Browns, you need the Nicholas yep. Claxons, you need the Joe Harrises, you need the Jeff Greens. These are guys in the rotation that you need beyond the superstars and yes the superstars are doing so goddamn much for this team right now it's just fun the, the energy is infectious hugs are plenty yep. dancing are plenty um it's a, it's a joy to watch and a joy to be a nets fan right now it's hard not to keep drinking that kool-aid and almost get an overdose and you know get drunk of this goddamn kool-aid i've never thought it would be even possible especially with the guy at nicholas claxton and you know for those that are joining the brooklyn buzz for the first time or the second time we've spoken plenty about this kid and to see him get the opportunity and finally be healthy you know i know that a lot of nets would and, and fervent nets fans are you know would be all about nicholas claxton and know where he's come from and and know the glimpses it's another absolute draft steal for, yeah. by sean marks and i'm not sure danny ainge can do that nick i'm not i'm just saying i'm just saying look Robert williams is all right okay i'll give him something yeah no i really was and this is a guy that the nets you know got- we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Not in the second round. You know what I mean? This is a player that they got and they were like, hey, you know, we see the potential in him. And I know talking with, like we mentioned, I talked talking with Dawn after he was drafted. If he probably stayed in the draft another year, he probably would have been a lottery the next season. So it was really a steal, a lot of potential, a lot of versatility defensively and offensively. I think offensively is going to take a little bit longer, but luckily the Nets mostly need the defense. Yeah, Dawn, they're pretty good with the offense. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, we, we Maybe best in the league. Yeah, maybe best of all time. But in, in saying that, I'll always... I, I... Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Okay, parachutes ready. Boy, the things I go through to get auto loan rates as low as 0.99% APR for 60 months on new vehicles with PenFed. You are aware that you don't have to be a military member to save hundreds on your auto loan, aren't you? Anyone can join PenFed. As someone terrified of heights, I probably should have looked into that. Probably. Drop me off at the shore. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash autos or call 1-800-247-5626. Advertised rates available through the PenFed car buying service. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. I sometimes uh, like to provide some personal anecdotes. You know, I remember going to a game by myself and seeing Clax, Nicholas Claxton warm up. He loves the little lefty hook. He's just mm. he's got really smooth footwork for a guy of his size. He's just super fluid, and you can just tell that you know everyone around this team. You know, Steve Nash alluded to it as well that the team seems to be bonding. There is an energy that's coming from this team. We got them goddamn Mina Kimes in the bandwagon. Mina, mm. if you want to jump on the Brooklyn Buzz, you got an open invite, my friend. We absolutely love what you're doing with ESPN. She's a goddamn goat. But it's there's something about this Nets team, Nick, and a lot of people are trying to figure it out. Are they villains? Are they not villains? Why aren't they villains? They should be. This this is worse than the Golden State team. James Harden, what he did and, and to, on, on his way out. Kyrie Irving, what he did in Boston. Kevin Durant, you know, these guys are naturally villains, but you can't help but love them, even if you're a casual. Yeah, I mean, I think they're just really gaining some momentum. And when you win, it builds chemistry, it builds hype. And then also, I think the fact is that there's other guys stepping in, like we just talked about in the last game, Bruce Brown having 29 points. Like, everybody 29? loves... I had 29? That was the <laughs> best moment ever. Oh, my God. I, I could watch that video over and over again. And then, like, Chris Giosa, Kevin Durant, and Jeff Green yep. jumped in the Instagram comments saying that, you, my dude, you should have a 30-piece, man. Come on, what are you doing? You, you, you're tripping there. It's crazy, oh, too. It. It's like, I wonder if he'll get a chance at a 30-piece again this year. And you know, for players like that, it's just like, damn. One point, he probably could have taken one more shot, but... 
You know, um, let's talk Kyrie Irving, Jack. I thought Kyrie was probably the best net tonight. 27 points, 11 of 18, and nine assists, five rebounds, two steals. I feel like he just hit a lot of shots during that, you know, second quarter stretch, obviously, but in the third quarter when the Nets really separated themselves, like he kind of put the icing on the cake that was like, all right, you know, we're done tonight. We're going to get the dub. Yeah, all that in 30 minutes as well. Yeah. You know, I think that that is a luxury to have when you have, I mean, James Harden playing 33 minutes, that's that's for him like 25. Yeah. <laughs> for like other players, it's like 25 minutes. But a, a quote that sort of stuck out to me about that Kyrie Irving alluded to today to the Nets media was sort of saying that, you know, his comments on leadership and in, in, in before the season, he was like, you know, I don't have to be a hero anymore. I realize now that there's this balance and there's just this cohesion with the team. Tonight, it was on him. He stood up and he allowed us. And look, we have James Harden in reserve there. We've got Kevin Durant waiting in the wings as well, getting himself ready uh, to come back and do some KD things. Kevin Kyrie Irving, I think he is in the situation where we, he seems most fulfilled. He seems like he is enjoying. He's relishing playing basketball. He's relishing talking about basketball, his teammates, the coaching staff, the craft itself, the nuances of the game. And look, I'm always loving these assist numbers, Nick. Two offensive yeah. boards as well. All these little things that are turning, you know, they're not going to go on the Bleacher Report house of highlights. You're not going to point, or in fact, you probably will point them out on, on your pace at OTG underscore Nick. But these under the radar things that Kyrie Irving does that turn him from being like a star to just a bona fide superstar, those are things that superstars do. They do the little bit extra. They play that defense. They get those two steals. They get those couple of offensive boards. They make sure their teammates are getting those wide open shots um he's a he's an incredible force and the nets are unstoppable offensively and a lot of that is um thanks to Kyrie Irving yeah and like we've kind of talked about before Jack the fact that James Harden is here it's taking some pressure off Kyrie and he's able to play his game at a higher level in different aspects he's always going to be an elite scorer there's never a question about that but like you mentioned the passing is coming up because it's more of a reaction thing where he's just playing the game instead of having to force passes force assists and trying to be that point guard which I really just don't think he is like he's just not that natural floor general point guard type he's more of a shooting guard more of a scorer and you mentioned the steals had a nice little heady steal Vucevic backing down DeAndre Jordan looking to the right side of the court Kyrie swooped in behind slipped it out and then gave us that you know half-ass dunk um, it, it reminded me of last year where we got the Kevin Durant stank face with the thumbs yep. down from Garrett Temple I think it was I'm just like I immediately thought of that I love men we love the Theo Pinson Jared yep. Dudley bench squad but man this 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 bench squad and you know when Kyrie's over there Jeff Green Kevin Durant it just seems to me I, I, I want to be part of this team I want to be there I want Kyrie to give me a hug Kai, if you put it on like, you know, a cameo or something, I'll, I'll pay for it. A virtual hug. Give me something, mate. His hugs just look so warm and soothing and plentiful. Like James Harden and Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets squad are just so goddamn lucky to have those arms around him. <laughs> I think uh, also the fact is that like the team has that different type of energy and the chemistry and some of those vibes that a lot of people didn't think it would have. They're like, oh, this Nets team was bought. They traded all these picks. These aren't Nets players. But it's still giving you that energy and still giving that vibe. And there's still like a lot of little storylines and little relationships that make you happy and just kind of add that extra element to the team. Yeah, I think and and Landry Shamit had a a fantastic quote on 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 Kyrie Irving's leadership, and and reminded me of Torian Prince last season. I think it was last yep. season where he he was sort of talking about you know the things that. 
people don't know, that the casuals see, that the Stephen A. Smiths see, in terms of he's passionate, he's communicative, he's empathetic, all these different things where it's just like, there's a nuance to it. And then if you're not watching it game after game after game, if you're not reading the quotes from the role players, if you're not part of this Nets media, you're not going to get it. It's as simple as that. And to be honest, we don't care if you don't get it because we know how good this guy is, how good of a person he is, how good of a player he is. It's... It's something that I care more about those quotes from Toy and Prince, from Landry Shamet, than I care about at all what we see from ESPN, Nick Wright, Fox Sports, all of this goddamn garbage BS propaganda, sports propaganda that I just I don't care about, Nick, because we know, despite the fact that we're going to have a, a, some level of subjective bias, and his teammates are as well, but they've also, Landry Shamet's come from plenty of other teams. He's played at a couple of different teams. So has Toy and Prince. He's played for Atlanta. He's played for other teams there. So to experience that they know and you can see how passionate he is about this team and um that's something that you know makes you feel valued and it's probably why Landry Shamit's playing some pretty goddamn good basketball Bruce Brown all of these role players that we need to be stepping up as I alluded to earlier it does help when you have an empathetic leader who's motivated giving high fives and doing schmody dances um on the sidelines as well You, you can't not love what Kyrie Irving's doing for the Brooklyn Nets yeah, I think in all that really matters, like you said, Jack, is what his teammates, what the organization think of him. You know, Stephen A. Smith, Nick Wright, you know, all those guys are just going to kind of create headlines. So I'm pretty happy where he's at. Obviously, we knew it was going to be a luxury having him with Kevin Durant, the relationship they have there. And it just seems like every game someone is talking positive about him. You know, Bruce Brown had some nice things to say last game with Shamit tonight, Nick Claxton, too. Seems like there's a lot of positive vibes. Even Jared Allen, when you know he left, he still had plenty of nice things to say. So I, I think a lot of it is kind of you know just the media. Even with what we saw, that what was it Boston's ownership talking about how Kyrie was uh, one of the reasons they're struggling this season. Yeah, and the tweet that I absolutely loved in response to that was like, you know, it's 2027. The Boston Celtics lose the Eastern Conference Finals. This ownership comes out and still blames Kyrie Irving for leaving in 2018, 2019. It's just like. Look, I think even some Celtics fans are getting over it. We know that some people yeah. at OGD Basketball are, they're a bit more heady and smart than some certain people in the Boston media. But in saying that, Kyrie did address it too. And I thought he did a really good job of that in saying, and we know because he also did it on his media day as well. He's just like, there were people that didn't, that I don't think deserved the trust and the openness from me. You know, I'm sure that he was quite open and communicative with the likes of Jason Tatum, Terry Rozier, yep. all these people that he seemed to have a really good bond with. And at the end of the day, no one deserves the best version of you if you aren't giving the best version back. You know, I think that there was certainly friction there. I know that there's nothing but there's nothing but good feelings in terms of Kyrie Irving and the teammates. We saw him hug every single person yep. in sight at the last game that we saw, where the um, we live baby in, in, in Kyrie Irving making those comments. So I think that the Boston have their own problems. The Nets have some minor problems themselves in terms of figuring things out defensively and stuff. But even that stat that we saw tonight, Nick, I put out the other day that during the five-game winning streak, the Nets were 11th. Over this eight-game winning streak, uh, uh, the Nets are 12th in defense. So that's still a pretty damn good standard that they're setting. And if they can maintain that, yes, they will not be, and they're not going to jump to be, you know, the top 10 defense that we probably want them to be. But as long as they stay in that top half and 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 keep pushing and keep maintaining the standard, the defense is uh, it's going to keep going, keep gelling, and keep getting better. Yeah, they finish the season top 15. I'd be ecstatic. You know, even in that like middle 12 to like 18 range, I think it's enough because like we talked about, like 
they really just have to play competent defense. They don't have to be elite in any way. They just can't let things be easy. Obviously, I think they excel more against teams where there's it's less of um, a team offensive attack when it's more like star centric, like against a team like the Clippers with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Like I think some of their game plans against those teams work really well, where sometimes it's the teams that have, you know, five good players. Like I'm really intrigued to see the second half matchup between them and the Utah Jazz. Same, same. And look what the, the lake is when they have Schroeder and Anthony Davis back and you've got a, yep. a bit more of a three-headed monster to deal with yourself. It's not going to compete with our three-headed monster, but it's still you know, a scary-ish monster. Not the scariest monster I've ever seen in my life. But Nick, who else did you want to touch on with the starters, the the backups? Um, you know, James Harden just casually dropping 20 points. Uh, I'm sure he would have been upset that he didn't. He was you know on the fringe of that triple-double. Uh, seven assists, nine boards himself, had a steal. Five or ten from three again, continuing to... He's an unstoppable offensive force in in so many different ways. Yeah, I thought this is not a bad game from James Harden, but not the same MVP level games we've been seeing. You know, there's a couple sloppy plays. Some of it, I think, you know, credit to Orlando early on. They did a good job of collapsing the the paint, especially with Bruce Brown and DeAndre both out there. It was kind of shutting down some of those uh, driving lanes for James Harden. So, you know, missed a couple shots, had six turnovers, just a couple sloppy plays in there. Not overall, you know, terrible thing, but this is when it's a luxury to have another superstar and Kyrie Irving who lit it up and was able to carry the bigger load. Yeah, and overall, the Nets had six players who scored 10 points or more. Yep. You know, Landry Shammett chipping in with 19, Joe Harris with another 14, Bruce Brown with another 14 himself. You know, th- th- we are getting... You know, as much as, you know, the, the headlines are going to go to the superstars, and deservedly so, yep. the Nets are getting, you know, increased team performance and team effort. And, you know, basketball, while it is, does rely solely on individual talent some of the time. You know, for the other 45 minutes of the game, you're going to need the rest of the rotation stepping up when it does matter. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, Bruce Brown, I thought his game was solid, talking about the rest of the rotation, 14 points, 6-9, got some of those buckets in transition. Obviously, we know what type of defense he plays. You know, just continue to do his thing. I think he's getting a little bit more confident in tacking bigger players in the half court instead of just in transition, too. Yeah, and he's uh, he just looks when he even like he has a one on one. He's like, you know what? I'm not gonna do something stupid here. Yeah, he's gonna be and he'll back out. You know, Vuce is under the basket. He beats him in transition. He's like, you know what? You know what? I don't need to force this because yep. I've got some guys that are probably trailing me that might get a an open three point shot, or I'll give it to to James Harden attacking downhill or Kyrie Irving attacking downhill. He's just really composed and, and makes really really good decisions. Yeah, and like he said after the last game, he understands his role, and that's kind of showcased every night. Thought DeAndre was pretty solid. You know, he had a couple of his, you know, hiccups out there. But overall, I think in the second quarter, in the second half, he adjusted a little bit more to the switching where he wasn't putting as much as pressure on him with trying to, like, chase Vucevic around and as well protect the rim. Yeah, I think he's doing a good job of contesting shots and making yep. making it easier ever since the Detroit game where we saw that horrible uh, Plumley yep. low light. DeAndre is literally making sure that he's contesting something whenever yep. he's in the vicinity of a of a shot taker and a shot maker. And he's continuing to show consistency and solidness as a rebounder as well. And I think he is a big part of why the Nets are rebounding better because we need our big guy to set the tone there. And I remember in the last game where, you know, he was skying for that first board, you know, yep. a level 11 for him tonight, you know, eight uh, defensive and three offensive. Um, DJ is, it, it's not that he's found the fountain of youth, it's not that he's rediscovered his Clipper days, but man, he is, he's starting to round. Maybe this is the new version of DeAndre Jordan, Nick. Maybe the old 
version that we were sort of you know really criticizing and, and getting into heavily maybe that was an aberration and this is the the more the version that we can expect night after night and, and if it that is the case then my confidence level about this Brooklyn Nets team defensively is only going to go up yeah I think and just the fact is he gives you a legitimate big center you know what I mean somebody that's actually playable out there in big moments and like you said Jack I think it really it's like nothing has necessarily like changed a lot with this game it's really just the energy and the effort you know what I mean? He's just like playing harder. And like you said, he's contesting shots where he would have never even taken a step in that direction in the past. Like there's definitely just a turn up. You know, it's I feel like maybe we've kind of talked about it. Steve Nash, some of his teammates calling him out and letting him know like, hey, DJ, we know you can be better. We see what you do. You're just not putting the effort in. And if he maintains his effort, that's going to be plenty. And you, like you said, Jack, you're going to feel a lot more confident about what the Nets can do defensively. Yeah, it seems like the tough love was needed at that early point, yep. and now there's the arm around the shoulder, you know, yep. especially from Kyrie Irving. When, uh, it seems to me that there's always a dap-up happening during a free throw. Uh, I, I, the, the chemistry, you know, sometimes you need to develop those championship habits through going through the lowest of lows. And yes, you know, it's not, uh, in relatively speaking, everyone's lost to Detroit <laughs> at yeah. this point in time. It feels like if you're a contender and you hadn't lost to the Detroit Pistons, um, it's something not a contender. <laughs> yeah, you're not a contender. You're not a real contender. But yeah, I think that I remember uh, I, I reference this book a lot. And I, the reason why I do reference it a lot is because, you know, championship habits uh, were set by Phil Jackson, one of the greatest coaches in the league. And he talks about different versions of teams. And what do they go from being like, you know, a me sort of team? You know, I'll get my own. I need to get my own. Then you become a collective. And then you become so damn good that no one else matters. And we set the habits. And there's just a dominance and standard about that. I didn't expect it to happen in 34 games, Nick. And the Nets aren't at the level of the Lakers of old, the Bulls of old and such. But they are looking like they can win a championship. Yeah, I mean, they're also looking like they can just go on some really dominant stretches because, like we've talked about, they're on an eight-game winning streak without their best player. Like, without Kevin Durant, <clears throat> excuse me, and also Jeff Green missing some time along this run, too, TLC being a little banged up. And it's still not even that much time for this team to get full cohesion. You know what I mean? It's still a lot of new faces here, especially James Harden being one of them. I'm still excited to see when we get, you know, a 10-game stretch of Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. Like, we think we know offense now. Like, I'm not sure how you defend that, especially with the way Joe Harris is playing. <laughs> it's, um, you know, I I'm sure that the scary hours will be haunting and horrific for, for many opposition teams. But, yeah, in saying that as well, Nick, we did see the the drop of the, 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 the last part of the schedule. The Nets have the easiest schedule according to Tangleton and the second easiest according to the teams in their and their win, win percentage. And they also have the least amount of games. So a lot of people are looking at it as a bad thing. So, oh, you don't want to have an easy schedule. You want to have it, you know, you just beat the teams who you have in front of you. I don't think it works. It's differently one way or another. The Jazz are funnily enough one of the other teams. But it's also because when you are that good of a team, you don't have to verse yourself. So it evens yep. it up uh, somewhat a little bit there. And also, and some of these teams too, Jack, are like, think of, for example, Miami Heat. Like, their record's not good. Boston Celtics, their record's not good. By the time you face them in the second half, they, they'll probably be a good team because a lot of them are dealing with injuries or other factors. Yeah, and then let's have a couple of games against the Celtics. and uh, So it'll be interesting to see how, how the last part of the schedule does pan out. A couple of games to still go there. And also, I was uh, pointing out 20 national games. It's uh, going to be disappointing not to hope. Hopefully, we get uh, still a couple of those um, coincide with some, some Yes Network broadcasts. Cause they we said actually on Yes Network that there's only going to be one game that won't be on the Yes broadcast. Oh, yes. Hooray, hooray, hooray. So I don't have to listen to Mark Jackson and... 
Chris Webb or any of those sort of dudes, I or still get to Marv Albert call somebody Torian. I mean, call Torian Prince and Mari Carroll. Obviously, Torian Prince isn't here anymore, but still. Yeah. And I don't know if he's uh, going to be able to ever say Timothy Tawal, Timothy Lawal <laughs> Cabro ever. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that all pans out, Nick. But uh, Landry Shannon, we need to give him a bit of love. Yeah. He led the team in plus minus. I always like picking up that, that number out. It is all relatively speaking, but he was plus 30 in the night, 19 points, nine boards. 5-9 from 3, 7-12 from the field. Tell me more about Landry Shannon. And he got on Twitter as well, posted a nice little cryptic tw- tweet himself. We remember that you know around oh, January or so, he got called out by a fan on Twitter, and he's like, you know what? I get it. I, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit, but I'm going to find my footing. Trust me, I'll get there. Seems to me Landry Shannon is finding his footing. Yeah, I thought tonight was the most confident he looked as a net. Like, even I know he didn't hit every single shot and he had the one game where he did, but, like, he was just kind of letting loose. There was a point where he shot an air ball tonight, and then, like, two possessions later, his shot looked confident, where I think in the past he'd hesitate maybe a little bit, and he was he was letting it loose. Obviously, you like the nine rebounds, too. Not necessarily the best opponent, but I think these games are important because they— excuse me, allow you the opportunity to build up some of these role players. And now all of a sudden, oh shit, Landry Shamit's hot. Now we're in a big game against one of these contending teams. We pull him off the bench. He hits three threes and that's a swing. Big time. Absolutely big time. I think Landry Shamit can with his offense and with his three-point shooting. You know, I'm going to probably dive a little bit deeper into his stats to, since probably the start of January. It seems to me that he's been maybe not Joe Harris level, but he has been you know at least 40% or more. It seems like a lot of teams have been, and the Nets overall have been uh, in saying that. And I think that you know, shooting is infectious. And when you have a guy leading the way and you've got James Harden now finding his groove there as well, it just makes it, when you see the ball go into the net, even if it isn't yourself, sometimes it's just like, okay, I know all these guys know how to shoot. All of these guys do it in their sleep. They could do it with their eyes closed. Sometimes you just need to find a rhythm. You need to find a groove. And that groove is certainly starting to happen for Mr. Shamit. Yeah, and I think we've kind of talked about before, the passing helps. You know, 30 assists again tonight. You saw another big assist night. And constantly moving that ball around the perimeter, making sure everyone gets touches, it just kind of adds some momentum to it. And like you said, you know, the team's knocking down shots. Everyone starts knocking down shots. The next thing you know, you're up 20. And that's ended up being up at 40 at one point in this game. Yeah, one by 30 with 37. So it's uh, it, these are the, the sort of games where you expect the Brooklyn Nets to, to blow out a team. And, you know, th- there are points, you know, in, in even earlier this season where it's just like, oh, man, another sub-500 team. What are yeah. the Nets going to do here? But it seems to me that the, the new identity of the Brooklyn Nets is that we are so dominant, we can beat any team. We don't care if you're the Lakers. We don't care if you're the Magic. We don't care if you're the Clippers. We can beat you. And it doesn't matter who you are, what you bring. If we bring our best basketball, we're going to take you down. Yeah, and we have the potential to have these runs where we just take control of the game. I mean, going to the second quarter, Orlando was up. And next thing you know, the Nets ended up being 18, up 18 at the half. It's just kind of ridiculous. And like you said, it's just it's them getting that confidence in themselves. And we heard James Harden say it a few games ago. We don't really care what the other team is doing because we know we do the you know our best basketball. We're probably going to win. You know, I think that was before the Lakers game. And look, that that internal focus is is what matters. I mean, you know, scouting, you leave that all that sort of stuff to the coaches. Let the players focus on building the cohesion and chemistry within them. 
And I think that despite the inconsistencies of player availability and stuff, the way that they've been so malleable and flexible to be able to adjust, you know, James Harden at one point has, you know, this center as his pick and roll partner. He yeah. has Reggie Perry as his pick and roll partner. Now he's Nicholas Claxley as his pick and roll partner. Then it's Jeff Green, it's Andre Jordan. You know, Sometimes and, and, it's Bruce Brown. <laughs> yeah, it's Bruce Brown. It's, it's something that I think that really good players, good teams do and great teams do, you know, to just be able to, you know what, doesn't matter who we've got out there, we're going to step up and we're going to perform against you. It doesn't matter what team you are, we're going to bring our A game and our A game uh, can compete with the best. Yeah, 100%. I think that confidence starts to kind of carry over to the bench too when you see guys have big nights like Shamit. I think just talking about some of the other guys, TLC still looks a little banged up. You know, I saw him a couple times kind of grab at his hip. Like it looks like maybe he's not fully there yet. He did like he didn't airball a three, but it was pretty much an airball. I missed so badly. We kind of talked Tyler Johnson early on. Thought he had a solid game. Always can count on him to bring energy. Couple nice defensive plays, taking a charge in there. And Chris Chioza, Tyler Cook. We really only saw them in garbage time, and nothing really to take from that. Chioza's well, hitting threes. Yeah, it was a step back three in the corner too. That show was nice. Yeah, I think Iron Eagle was uh, providing many a cheese puns, and now he's got cooked as well. A lot of bacon well. tonight. And some bacon. Man, if you have a food name, you'd better believe it that Iron Eagle is going to provide the puns. 100%. Jack, anything else you want to talk about in terms of this game? Look, I think this game is um, one that we... Not, it's not going to be one of the Phoenix Suns games, Nick, by, yep. by any stretch of the imagination, but it's still... A win, nonetheless, gets us closer to that first seed and continuing to find and build those championship and winning habits. Ultimately, that's all that matters. Yeah, I think just continuing to build the confidence for the entire team. You know what I mean? Just beating some of these sub-500 teams and letting them know, like, hey, you know, we can dominate them too. We can dominate really anybody in the league. And it's going to be interesting, Jack. I mean, there's three games left of this first-half schedule. There is a potential for the Nets to win the rest of their games this, this half of the season. There's Look, the... The Nets should be favorites in the majority of their games. They are the informed team in the league right now with the Utah Jazz. You know, in the Eastern Conference, you know, the Sixers are doing some nice things, but I still think the Brooklyn Nets are the former team. But at the end of the day, the Nets aren't going to... There'll be times where I think they'll beat themselves. And a lot of the yeah. times they have beaten themselves. Whereas now it seems to me that there aren't going to be many teams that can force the Brooklyn Nets to miss shots, to make bad shots. It's going to be the poor defense from the Brooklyn Nets making mistakes. And that's not me being like a Brooklyn Nets elitist. That's just honestly what I believe. If the Nets can show consistency defensively, and the offense is it's, it's a humming machine, that's going to be fine. But if the Nets can show consistency in the intangibles and the things behind the scenes that we know matter in terms of winning basketball and championship basketball, then there's going to be few teams that can beat them. Yeah, like you said, Jack, too, is the Nets have cleaned up a lot of their turnover issues that we saw earlier in the season, getting that number down. And now the offense is running so efficiently, we're not seeing teams have, you know, more possessions than the Nets by a large number, including the rebounding factor. Because like you mentioned, DJ has been a little bit better in that area, too. So they're kind of helping themselves. You know what I mean? Where in the past, like you said, they were beating themselves and they're almost making the game as difficult as possible. And at the end of the day, you know, you don't want to be doing that. You want to make the game as easy as possible. So then it allows you to, you know, out play Kyrie Irving 30 minutes, play James Harden 33 minutes, give some extra time to Landry Shammett to find his group, give some extra time to TLC to get out his kinks, get Bruce Brown out there with the yep. uh, with the 
bench mob as well. It seems to always be out there in the closing moments. Um, it, it, there's a good things happening in Brooklyn, Nick, and hopefully it does continue. And there's only going to be good things to come because we've got our best player coming back. We've got our backup center, backup wing, whoever you want to call Jeff Green, Uncle Jeff still um, to, to come back soon as well. A lot of good things to come back from the Brooklyn Nets, and I think the All Star break will do them well. Also, it allows you know the yep. team to reset, re-energize, and go. All right, let's get this uh, the rest of the season. And they're one of the few teams that aren't going to have the back to back to backs, the three games in five nights, the four games in six nights, and that is only going to bode well for Kevin Durant, for James Harden, and Kyrie Irving because they haven't burdened them in at this point of the season either. You know, Kyrie, you look at the total minutes. I think it was Lucas Kaplan of of Nets Republic a, a couple of games ago. Yes, you know James Harden might have the highest points per game uh, minutes per game average but he's also rested a game or two here Kyrie Irving the same sort of thing Kevin Durant the same sort of thing these guys are hopefully if this this does maintain itself going to be fresh when it matters in May and June yeah 100% and also they're going to get more practice time and James Harden kind of alluded to that being a big factor for the winning streak just kind of understanding the schemes and the adjustments and things that they can do and, you know, I'm happy for the All-Star break. And even the way they're playing, I wouldn't be surprised if they elected to rest Kevin Durant the rest of the first half of the season. I know we saw reports that they weren't going to do that, but it just seems with the way things are going, why risk it? And we had no update today on the at the game. I think that while I agree with the premise, Nick, Katie's not going to allow that. Yeah. He's going to want to play basketball. The, the dude is obsessed. We, we, when you've had 18 months without basketball, and you get yeah. a taste of it, and you're showing your best hoops. And there was a really nice article from True Hoop that I that I dived into as well. He's doing he's dunking more now than he did in his rookie season. He's dunking more wow. than Zach Levine. Like uh, some of these things, where it's just like uh, you came off an Achilles injury, didn't you? And I mean, so did John Wall and, and such as well. But I want to see Kevin Durant back because I think that there might have been maybe. A, a, an overabundance to bring him back a little bit too early with that Golden State game and probably didn't necessarily help with his conditioning and this hamstring injury. We know the Nets are going to remain cautious, but I think if Kevin Durant is even close to 100% fit, you'd better believe that he's going to want to be out there with his dudes and and hooping and and providing us with uh, many, many highlights and many, many things to discuss. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be exciting. Obviously, they have Dallas this weekend on Saturday. Then I think they have San Antonio and Houston. So, you know, three winnable games. Dallas isn't necessarily playing great right now. And like you said, Jack, there's not many teams that you're picking to beat the Nets in any, you know, one-game sample size or even a seven-game series at this point. I give the ASMR that James Harden did. Nets world. (laughs) That was pretty good. I think on that note, that wraps things up. As always, Jack, a pleasure. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. And you can always catch us on all streaming platforms. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.